This is the Mathematics Education Podcast from MathEdPodcast.com. Welcome to the Math Ed Podcast. My name is Sam Otten from the University of Missouri. Today I'm very happy to be joined by someone who you might know from writing as Herbert Kuzwayo, but who I know as Becky. Um, Becky, thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much, uh, someone. Becky is a faculty member in the Faculty of Education at the University of the Western Cape here in South Africa, and I'm going to be really excited to talk to him about a chapter that he's recently written, and the chapter is about occupation of our minds a metaphor to explain mathematics education in South Africa in the apartheid era. And that chapter is in a book uh, called Numeracy as Social Practice, which is edited by um, Yasukawa, Rogers, Jackson, and Street. So this is a really interesting metaphor about occupation of our minds. But, um, Becky, before we get to that, I want to just back up for a second, get a little bit of your background. So where did you do your dissertation work, and what was the topic of your dissertation? Yes, I did my PhD with Alborg University in Denmark. Okay. It was a collaborative project between that university in Denmark and uh, the University of KwaZulu-Natal, which is in, in KZN in KwaZulu-Natal, which is in the eastern part of the country, okay. uh, which is, uh, by the way, a, a historical white university because that is the language <laughs> we understand in South Africa and right. which we still use quite often. Mm-hmm. So this project actually involved us because I participated with about say four other colleagues, four or five other colleagues in the project and uh, we had our supervisor who was coming from that university, Professor Ule Skofsmosha and he would come here and then would go to Denmark from time to time uh, to the university and uh, he will come to do, to do his supervision here okay. in the country. Okay, that's great. Now, you mentioned the history of uh, South Africa and of course what a lot of people might know is the turbulent era, the apartheid era that was happening. And in this chapter that you wrote about occupation of our minds, you talk about the prominence of the technical curriculum that really was in place during apartheid. And I've, I want to start by just asking you, what do you mean when you say the technical curriculum was really dominant? Yes, my understanding of the technical curriculum, uh, by the way, I did a study on the history of mathematics education mm-hmm. in, in South Africa during the apartheid years. Because you must understand that uh, that was a very difficult and complicated time for us, whereby at one stage we had something like 17 uh, departments of education in this country. We had the department uh, that was looking after, you know, white, you know, uh, students, black students. Uh, We had all kinds of uh, highly segregated kind of education. And uh, I decided to do this study just to understand as to what actually happened and uh, you know during the apartheid years how did we learn maths because I'm a student I was a student during that time 
and also I became a teacher at high school during that time, mm. and and also I've taught at the university. So I did that uh, historical study, which was really quite complicated to do in that uh, because of this uh, highly segregated system that we we have. But uh, mm-hmm. so I, I think therefore, and my whole. Uh, idea of a technique curriculum comes from actually that studying and my understanding is that you know talking about the technique curriculum is a situation whereby for instance teachers of mathematics are provided with a toolbox mm-hmm. sort of full of techniques which are drilled in the minds of the learners mm. and which they have to master during the apartheid years, it was very clear that black kids were to be prepared in techniques which they will need to take over the key positions within their own community, you know, mm-hmm. therefore, and which will take also uh, the consideration of the cultural background of the child. Yeah. So this technical curriculum actually has to ensure that uh, that that happens. Mm-hmm. Teachers therefore become the victim of a system which assigns to them the task of implementing a ready-made uh, what you call curriculum and testing students on these techniques. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So one aspect of the technical curriculum is that it's technical skills that are kind of drilled, like rote memorization, and then practice this skill over and over again, which to us kind of seems like lower cognitive demand kind of processes. So in that sense, it's like focused on skill techniques. Yes. And then the other part of it, though, is that it's not a random or arbitrary set of skill and techniques. Those skills and techniques have been chosen by the powers that be, Exactly. In a certain way, because they're kind of like funneling the population into a certain place. So it's not just that it's drill and kill, and it's not just that it's rote memorization. It's also certain kinds of skills, because we want to set you up for a certain kind of future. No, exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, with uh, uh, that kind of curriculum being in place, therefore, uh, it is a potential, actually, to make learners not to see the alternatives, you know, in, yeah. in mathematics, and uh, and their minds, therefore, really become occupied. And uh, you must understand that uh, in South Africa, at the time of apartheid education, there was this uh, dominant, you know, philosophical foundation of education, which was based on fundamental pedagogics. And fundamental pedagogics actually emphasize quite a lot, you know, on the teacher being, you know, an authoritative figure and the learner, you know, has always to follow this and actually take everything. So there was no opportunity for opening up, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the learners to make them sing alternatives, to make them question anything, etc. Because of this philosophy, which actually was very dominant and which could be found in every aspect of uh, what you call what learners were subjected to. And therefore, um, I'm saying therefore that there was the occupation of knowledge about mathematics learning and teaching. Mm -hmm. So now you're really getting into this central metaphor of the chapter. So the chapter is called Occupation of Our Minds. 
and that comes from Fasha's concept of occupation, which is from Palestine, where the Israelis are kind of occupying Palestinian land, but also occupying the minds and the education of Palestinians. And you're bringing that metaphor over here to South Africa is what you're talking about now. Um, so I wonder if you could just help us fill in that metaphor a little bit more. So how do you see in South Africa the different levels of the occupation and then maybe say a little bit more about the occupation of our minds? It sounds like it's what's being taught, but it's also who controls the knowledge and who gets to dictate what is learned. Yes. I found this notion from, as you have correctly mentioned, Fashach, who is Palestinian himself. Fashach uses this notion uh, in explaining that, uh, in talking about the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, the Palestinians did play and have always played a, a crucial uh, role in waging a war against the occupation of their land and resources. However, he is critical of the Palestinian curriculum, particularly math curriculum being uh, uh, mathematics, education, person himself, which he claims has been meaningless and not built on aspects and issues of the Palestinian reality. Mm-hmm. He's even more critical of the insensitive and unresponsive nature of mathematics curriculum, and then he concludes, if I may quote, The maths we teach and study, at least in the schools and universities in Palestine, is basically like a corpse that does not feel anything of its surrounding. Mm. He he says, therefore, that um, Palestinian people did not only have, you know, the occupation of their land, but also their minds, you know, were somehow uh, occupied. And, uh, well, of course, it talks about what characterizes this occupation, and I won't uh, perhaps go much deeper into that. So, it is a situation whereby students are depositories, and the teacher is the depositor, and this lack of diversity and standardized thinking is encouraged. Mm. And therefore... He says the Palestinian people actually needed to free themselves from this occupation. And then I looked at this metaphor, what it meant in the Palestinian situations, and I looked at it uh, in our own South African situation, particularly during the uh, party years. And uh, that is when, therefore, I'm applying this uh, a metaphor to what happened actually during the apartheid years, you know, mm-hmm. and having been a, a, a student of mathematics, having been a teacher of mathematics, yeah. and so many things, you know, I, I looked at and I would question so many things, but you know, the, this study provided me an opportunity actually to look deeper at what is it that we were it was taught to us, how it was taught, mm. and who taught it, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, so I'm kind of in my own mind um, trying to identify the main factors. It sounds like one of them is, you mentioned the standardized way that mathematics is presented, like there's one way to do this mathematics problem. Uh, you also mentioned the lack of diversity. So if, if they push one way of doing it, 
And then if the students and the learners buy into that, they think like, well, of course that's how it is. There's only one way to do this math problem. There's only one way to do that. There's only one way to do that. That's a sign that they've kind of been occupied in their minds, right? Because they've begun to believe that there's only one way to do it or there's only one way that mathematics exists instead of a diversity of ways or alternative options. So for me, one element is the standardization, the lack of diversity, but the occupation of the mind is also when the learner starts to just think that, of course, that's how mathematics is. Yes. Right? And that's actually not how mathematics has to be. Mathematics can have alternative perspectives or different ways of doing things, and mathematics could be more responsive to your everyday life. It could actually resonate with things that are going on for people. Yeah. Whereas, like Fasha said, the math curriculum seems dead. It doesn't seem to actually relate to people. Yes. And if, if your mind is occupied, you think that math is just neutral and it is this like separate static thing. But that means your mind is occupied because you could break free from that and realize the math curriculum could be more responsive. It could be more culturally connected to people. Yes, but uh, sometimes people can argue that, I mean, you look at how mathematics is taught in many contexts, mm -hmm. and uh, this is how mathematics teaching looks like. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, in many contexts, uh, uh, students, you know, this is not promoted. I mean, they have views, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. So, but so what was different about South Africa? Uh -huh. And you see, the thing in South Africa. I've mentioned to you that uh, we had fundamental pedagogics which really dominated every aspect, dominated, you know, it was a philosophy mm. that sort of justified, you know, apartheid education mm -hmm. and actually that stress that the child had to submit to authority of the teacher. Mm. And the teacher has always to lead a child to adulthood, you know, mm -hmm. blindly or so, you know, as a child. So, so therefore, in South African situation, it had to conform mm -hmm. to the policy at a time. And it has to be seen in whatever was taught in South Africa and in how it was taught. And if I may go back uh, to the time when apartheid was still at its height and mm -hmm. uh, talking about uh, the guy who was the Prime Minister of South Africa mm -hmm. and he made one of the most damaging statements mm -hmm. in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, relations uh, when he was about to take up the, what to call, uh, to become a Minister of Education and this is what he says and I want to quote this he said, when I have control over native education, I will reform it so that the natives will be taught from childhood that equality with European is not for them. People who believe in equality are not a desirable teacher for blacks. What is the use of teaching blacks mathematics when they cannot use it in practice? And he said, the idea is quite absurd. So we had somebody there for during this time who made it sure that uh, you know blacks children mm -hmm. could not excel or even go as much as you know anybody else in mathematics because mm -hmm. they just 
are not able because of their culture. You must understand that uh, the whole notion of culture has been severely corrupted, mm. was severely corrupted in South Africa during the time of apartheid. So in other words, as a black child, you know, it's not your fault that you do not understand certain concepts. It's because of your culture, because we are rooted mm -hmm. in that culture, and that culture has got some uh, limitation that you cannot be like, you know, a white child. It's not a fault. It's a fact. It's there. Mm. And therefore, this is how, therefore, apartheid education actually looked like. So, you must understand, therefore, in terms of uh, teaching teachers this mathematics, you know, there was in a way that uh, a dominant thinking amongst those who taught mm. mathematics that, uh, you know, as black children, they can understand certain things, etc., etc. Yeah. An official leader is actually saying on the record, yes, the idea of equality between the races should not even come up. It should the opposite should be taught. Like we should teach them that the races are not equal, and and then he specifically says math is not for black students. Like to to say so explicitly, the you know racist kind of education policy is really striking. Yes, and uh, I want to say, for instance, that uh, as part of my broader historical research in mathematics education, uh, I had the opportunity to look specifically at the kind of research which was done on blacks uh, by white people, because you must realize that the opposite was not true. Mm -hmm. you know, this is the education research. But yes. it was white researchers. It was and white researchers. They were studying on, blacks. Yes, black on, on blacks. Yes, and I wanted to look at that statement of Fervourd and what you know some academics, the kinds of research findings that they would come up with. Mm -hmm. I want to quote one of those, and it states that blacks are retarded as regards visual perceptual development. Mm. that in contrast with whites, they reveal an inability to report depth perception and to interpret three-dimensionally. Mm. That their concept of space differs radically from that of whites. That they experience problems even in experiencing pictures and figures analytically that they do not have a clear understanding of concepts like circumference, length and width, and generally find arithmetical concept difficult to master. Mm. In that kind of research, mm. therefore, you can see the thinking about, you know, blacks learning mathematics. Mm -hmm. It had to do with, you know, their culture, you know, the, mm. the problem. Mm -hmm. Is who you are. The problem is a culture. So you can never be able to, you know, to, to go as far as you like because there are certain concepts, there are certain things which you will not understand. And the fact that it's written by a researcher who has kind of authority of knowledge, you know, supposedly. And, and people got their PhDs out of this yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of research. And I can quote you, I can actually wow. expose you to a number of those uh, researchers which were actually doubting the true mathematical ability of a black child. Mm. 
I want to ask you about right now in 2018. Um, it's been you know more than 20 years since the freedom and democracy came in in 1994 to South Africa. But as you say in the chapter, the occupation of the mind did not end just because of you know Nelson Mandela's election and that sort of thing. The problems and the biases and things that were infused in the apartheid era are still around even now. How do you see things now? Like where do you still see occupation of the mind happening even present day? Okay. One thing Fashaf talks about is that uh, first of all, you must start off by shaking off all the debt that was accumulated in our case during the what you call the times of apartheid. Mm. And that is such a, a process actually to change the way people were made to believe about themselves, mm-hmm. about their ability to do mathematics, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. But that should be your start. Coming to the present, where are we as far as mathematics is concerned? I will say, unfortunately, we have experienced a number of changes with the curriculum. Because, you know, trying to normalize a situation which was so abnormal, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to put people together and trying to say, you know, we are all equal. Mm -hmm. Now putting people at the starting line of the race, and uh, that is a a challenge on its own. But uh, coming to you, to me, when it first... Since soon after the democratic government came to power, then we we had this outcome-based curriculum, which was introduced, which was very kind of flexible and which really attempted to undo all these uh, beliefs and the, the things that you, you know I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When that was done away with, unfortunately, for reasons which I understand as to why, you know, for instance, um, there were problems with outcome-based curriculum in South Africa mm-hmm. and the kind of openness and the kind of uh, what you call attempts to free teachers from oh, yeah. the occupation. Yeah, you know, to give a, them a lot of flexibility. To give them a lot of flexibility. I, I know the reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that was done away, however, I think we, we lost quite a bit. Because now what we have is a kind of technique curriculum that we we, we spoke of uh, earlier on, mm-hmm. whereby strict a sort of uh, very much uh, again uh, control the curriculum, mm-hmm. what teachers should be teaching, mm-hmm. you know, at at what time, what the syllabus prescribe. Mm-hmm. must be taught et cetera, et cetera. We, were, we were back to that time mm-hmm. which really gives little freedom let me give you one example of what happened when that uh, curriculum actually was put aside and, uh, in mathematics curriculum we had for the first time in each and every chapter we had for instance the adoption an attempt to adopt the historical perspective, you know, mm-hmm. in the teaching of each and every 
uh, what to call a concept or like some topic. His, some history of mathematics was some history in. of mathematics and the, pe- the people involved. Yes, especially. you talk about fractions. Mm-hmm. Let's go into the history, and no, not a long thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just to make them understand. Because you must understand that uh, uh, one thing the history of mathematics will do is actually to try to to close the, this gap to say to think of mathematics as something. Yeah. Some ideas it's that like just fell from the air and, yeah. and sort of, and when you know names of people are mentioned and such etc. Yeah, that was it. very useful. Yeah. But that was uh, so. In other words, what I'm saying there for so many things should have changed. But uh, the fact of the matter is that um, now we're back to square one, whereby you know the experts. Okay. Have to dictate about you know. So they tried some of that stuff, but it wasn't received very well, and so then you're kind of backtracking to more prescriptive, narrow kind of technical things. Exactly. Uh, and because that was actually justified on the fact that uh, because of apartheid education, so many teachers were not well qualified. You know, we had very few mathematics teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, teachers a problem. Uh, about you know delivering the content because there were problems and therefore there needed to be some control and uh, you know uh, of things mm-hmm. much more because teachers were saying we don't know what to do how to teach all this yeah, stuff yeah. yeah yeah speaking about your chapter uh, occupation of our minds at the end of the chapter you try to give some hope you talk about some ways of trying to end the occupation or at least reduce the effects of the occupation of the mind. So I was wondering if, you know, if people should get the chapter to have the full story here, but I wonder if you could give us a small sample of some of the things that you've thought about for trying to make progress, try to improve the situation uh, with respect to the occupation of the mines. Okay. Ending occupation, for instance, what are the kinds of things that uh, I'm talking about? I- I'm talking about, for instance, uh, incorporating Ubuntu, in the teaching and learning mathematics. Uh, in cooperation of Ubuntu, what is Ubuntu? Yeah, what is Ubuntu? Uh, yeah. Ubuntu is a Nguni term and it's called in different names. Ubuntu sort of philosophy constitutes humans as being endowed with certain virtues such as kindness, respect, sympathy, a cooperative spirit, concern for each other's welfare, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Ubuntu recognizes, you know, is against individualism, for example. Mm. You know. Ubuntu says, I am who I am, mainly because of other contribution of other people. Mm-hmm. You know. Ubuntu construes, therefore, people's knowledge, perceptions, and the behavior patterns in accordance with social norms. So, therefore, it can take us a lot of time to actually say, what, how does this translate into mathematics? Mm-hmm. But the bigger picture mm-hmm. is that I would want to actually teach mathematics in a way that actually begins to say, you know, begins to actually incorporate all these essential elements of what constitutes Ubuntu. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. In some of the courses that uh, we teach here, I, I do a lot of work on the 
history of mathematics. My third year students, you know, I exposed them to a lot of things and uh, you can see, for instance, some material which I, I have here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. All this material is actually made by students hmm. having, you know, studied a particular history. Each student or a group of two or three students would actually choose a topic from the curriculum. At any level, they would actually choose whatever topic that they feel comfortable with mm -hmm. and they would actually trace the history of that topic. And actually it's such a, a long project. They would trace and they will be doing presentations about that and they will actually be doing things like you are seeing here mm -hmm. which are not me. So students therefore they, they, they are free to look at things and the, the amount of education I am have received in the past myself it's really amazing about certain things that I was not aware of mainly because I give students that opportunity to say I recognize them, you know, I recognize their potential actually to learn things and come back and teach the whole class and teach me as their, what you call, lecturer, etc., etc. So, to me, Ubuntu therefore would embrace that kind of recognition, recognizing people's potential, etc., etc. Mm. And Ubuntu would support teachers who would be coming with their own innovative ways of teaching mathematics mm -hmm. and actually recognizing and supporting students who are involved in some interesting problem. Students who are coming up with new things as a result of actually having studied a, a particular topics in, in mathematics and um, we are there to actually provide that kind of uh, support. I'm talking about a situation whereby my learners, for instance, will be able to integrate knowledge across, say, disciplines, integrating knowledge within the discipline of mathematics itself, and uh, actually, rather than seeing mathematics, you know, as isolated kind of bit of knowledge, learners were. So, to me, therefore, that talks to what Ubuntu should be about or is all about. So, therefore, freeing people from occupation of seeing things, mm -hmm. you know, as fixed and uh, having nothing to do with them, therefore, I, I think ending occupation, therefore, will begin by actually trying to do the kind of things that uh, mm -hmm. I'm already trying in my small way, in mm -hmm. a small way, mm -hmm. to do with my students, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, I encourage the listener to um, find the chapter because you have also another list that you've kind of compiled that we can't go through all of them here, but some yes. other uh, practical things that can be more uh, empowering, recognizing the individuality and the collective nature of the learners and the society. And it's really a kind of a nice ending to the chapter. And again, that chapter is called Occupation of Our Minds, a metaphor to explain mathematics education in South Africa in the apartheid era. And uh, that's in the book, Numeracy as Social Practice, Global and Local Perspectives, um, from Rutledge. 
But I've been speaking with uh, Becky Kuzwayo, uh, also known as Herbert Kuzwayo. Becky, thanks so much for sharing a little bit of your ideas, the things you've been working with and thinking about here. Before we end, I want to ask you one final question. This we can kind of step to the side of maths education a little bit. Um, if you were not in mathematics and math education at all, you were just doing something completely different with your life, can you imagine another career, uh, whether that be just something fun or something that you realistically could have done as an alternative? Sometimes I avoid talking about myself so much, <laughs> but uh, in this case, I think uh, I, I will do. I come from very humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. A boy who grew up... You couldn't see three dimensions? <laughs> <laughs> yes. A boy who grew up in a very rural settings, you know. A boy who, for the first six to eight years, could not... Uh, would go to school for 12 kilometers a day uh, without a shoe mm. and his feet, etc., etc. So I, I grew up in those uh, humble beginnings, mm. coming from a family of eight boys, so things were really tough for all of us. But uh, I'm where I am today, having been able to study mathematics up to the university level, mm-hmm. uh, having been a Fulbright scholar and uh, having attended, you know, I did my master's in mathematics education at the University of Leeds mm. and then my PhD and uh, I've been too many, I've participated in international mm-hmm. research projects, etc. So why I'm telling you mm-hmm. all of that? My earlier background, mm-hmm. I mean, growing up in those rural settings and uh, seeing my parents actually uh, sort of getting into farming mm-hmm. and uh, with the money that they got from that helping us, so therefore I think for me, up to today, I really value that kind of life, you know. I was looking after my father's ship and cattle, Mm. you know, before I go to school, I make sure that, Mm. uh, you know, I keep them in a camp and then that would give me some. So I I really learned so much in that uh, Life and therefore, now that I'm here and uh, what else I would have done, uh, I would really want to do such things uh, going to farming and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, because I value that life, I value the kind of life you know, we land in the rural areas, etc. etc. Mm-hmm. So, I think I would like to go to mm-hmm. farming, mm-hmm. yes. Visiting here, we've been able to drive out into the country a little bit. We've only been in Western Cape, but we've gone out to the east quite a ways and up, and there's a lot of beautiful farming here in South Africa. And so to be part of that, I can definitely imagine the appeal of the countryside and and the animals and things. 
Yes, yes. No, it will really be great. But here I am. Uh, I think I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, teaching for me is not something that came just by mm-hmm. chance. But uh, yeah. I think I've always been a teacher since I was a, a student. Yeah. You know, I've been always fascinated by you know sharing knowledge with other mm-hmm. well Becky thanks for sharing knowledge here in this conversation and the metaphor that you've been working with uh, I think others will also find uh, meaningful and they can apply it in different areas so thanks so much for speaking with me about it thank you